Good evening, folks. This is your host, Terry Farley in Dallas, Texas. Now calling to each one of you from the eye of the storm. The eye is at the very center of a hurricane. Regardless of how powerful the hurricane, the eye at the center is calm. God's word leads us to the eye, for the Lord encourages each of us to be still and know that he is God. Psalm 46, verses 10 and 11. Psalm 46, verses 10 and 11. Thank you each and every one very much for joining me this evening. I really appreciate it. Welcome to all, especially our new listeners. <laughs> Greetings from the eye of the storm. Tonight, we now begin our approach, nearing Calm Harbor, our port of call, centered at the very eye of the storm. Introducing chapter 30 of Proverbs this evening, we are blessed to have an opening observation by author Lisa Lorraine Baker. She writes, the name Agar translates to the word gathered parenthetically explaining, his father's name, Jacob, means pious or carefully religious. Also parenthetically, uh, we mention Agar being Jacob's reward. Uh, Ms. Baker continues, would that uh, a son continue with a life full of meaning behind such a name? There is a possibility Jacob is from an is. is uh, Malite tribe, she notes, uh, for uh, Proverbs 30, verse uh, 1b states, Oracle may instead be Jacob, a man of Massa. We know nothing about the two men outside Proverbs 30, verse 1. We would add, however, the sayings found in Proverbs 30 give us insight into the man because God used Agar to pen a chapter in the Bible. What an honor to be entrusted with inscribing words as part of the Holy Scripture. As far as the other two names from Proverbs 31, Ithiel and Ukal, uh, both are probable disciples of Agar. Ithiel, whose name means God is with me, was a Benjamite from the time of Nehemiah. Ukal's name means devoured, per Ms. Baker. Perhaps hinting at the Proverbs being addressed to both the wise and the foolish. Please now join us as we open our Bibles, inviting all to follow along in Proverbs chapter 30, verses 1 through 4. The words of Agur, the son of Jacob, even the prophecy, the man spake unto Ithiel, even unto Ithiel and Ukal. Surely I am more brutish than any man, and have not the understanding of a man. I neither learned wisdom, nor have the knowledge of the holy. Who hath ascended up into heaven, or descended? Who hath gathered the wind in his fist? Who hath bound the waters in a garment? Who hath established all the ends of the earth? What is his name, and what is his son's name, if thou canst tell? Astoundingly, verses 1 through 3 open with Agur, the writer of Proverbs 30, identifying himself and too many is addressing, immediately claiming his own unworthiness to pen these words, declaring he is more brutish than any man, even lacking understanding, confessing, having never even learned wisdom especially the knowledge of the holy. 
Agar, appropriately schooled in humility, turns all attending to the leading of God. For all seeking truth, Agar magnifies God's divinity with challenges testifying to God's powers of creation and excitingly posing a prophetic utterance concerning the Messiah, Jesus of Nazareth. A reference so obscure, Agar proves the unworthiness of even those listening by challenging all to name God's Son, if any can answer. Verses 5 through 8. Every word of God is pure. He is a shield unto them that put their trust in him. Add thou not unto his words, lest he reprove thee, and thou be found a liar. Two things have I required of thee. Deny me not them uh, before I die. Remove far from me vanity and lies. Give me neither uh, poverty nor riches. Feed me with food convenient for me. Agar then launches into God's provision for mankind in verses 5 through 8, beginning with the eternal reality that every word of God is pure. Do not pass by the emphasis of every word is pure. Jesus himself proclaimed, For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass, one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law, till all be fulfilled. Matthew 5.18. Jot is the tenth and smallest letter of the Hebrew alphabet, written above the line, appearing like an apostrophe. The tittle is even smaller than the jot, a letter extension or pen stroke differentiating one Hebrew letter from another. FYI, verse 5, stating God is a shield, uh, provides no contradiction to the reference. Jesus, John tells us, is the Word made flesh. Paul's armoring believers with the shield of faith completes the artistry of Agar for all who trust God. Verse 6 warns against adding to his word, no wonder, lest God reprove thee and you be found a liar. Verses 7 and 8 collate, opening with Agar's request to his listeners for two things. Verse 8 notes, removing far from him vanity and lies, parenthetically confirming Jesus is the truth, dismissing poverty and wealth as vanities within themselves, requesting only convenient food. The temptation to acknowledge the days in which we walk is difficult to ignore. More importantly, Jesus is the bread of life. Verses 9 through 12. Lest I be full and deny thee and say, Who is the Lord? Or, lest I be poor and steal and take the name of my God in vain. Accuse not a servant unto his master, lest he curse thee and thou be found guilty. There is a generation that curses their father and does not bless their mother. There is a generation that are poor in their own eyes, pure, I'm sorry, in their own eyes, and yet is not washed from their filthiness. Eschewing the temptation of tempting levity in verse 9, Hagar exposes the temporal dangers of this life, warding off gluttony, which can lead to denial of God himself, or poverty, leading to thievery, even descending to taking God's name in vain. Verse 10 warns against accusing a servant to his master, lest the servant cause you to return in revealing your own guilt. Verse 11 mirrors much of the age in which we traverse, identifying a generation that curses their father. 
uncommon in my days as a youth, no matter what. More revealingly, the mother's receiving no blessing. My mother's disciplinary remonstration, you don't bite the hand that feeds you, remembered well. Coupling the thought, verse 12 continues, recognizing the generation that is pure in their own eyes, even their eyelids lofted in surprise at correction. Verses 13 through 16, there is a generation, oh, how lofty are their eyes and their eyelids are lifted up. There is a generation whose teeth are as swords and their jaw teeth as knives to devour the poor from off the earth and the needy from among men. The horse leech hath two daughters crying, give, give. There are three things that are never satisfied. Yea, four things say not, it is enough. The grave and the barren womb, the earth that is not filled with water, and the fire that says not, it is enough. It would seem our present day generation mirrors verse 13 with high and lofty looks, born of conceits and pride un unwarranted, Equally, verse 14 echoes the silhouette of the generation just mentioned, leaders whose teeth are as swords, jaw teeth as knives, to devour the poor of the earth, the needy among men. Verse 15 opens, decrying the horse leech, a large leech that inhabits the mouths and nostrils of unfortunate horses. This grotesque example is doubled into two daughters, both crying, give give. A list is then provided of things never satisfied, begun as three but added to as the thought progresses, allowing that four things agree, saying not, it is enough. Verse 16 then reveals the grave, death always being present, a barren womb which always aches, the earth which drinks the water, and the fire never satisfied until all is gone. Verse 17 through 20, the eye that mocks at his father, despises to obey his mother, the ravens of the valley shall pick it out, and the young eagles shall eat it. There be three things which are too wonderful for me, yea, four, which I know not, the way of an eagle in the air, the way of a serpent upon a rock, the way of a ship in the midst of the sea, and the way of a man with a maid. Such is the way of an adulterous woman. She eats and wipes her mouth and says, I have done no wickedness. Judgment to the wicked is vividly displayed in verse 17, noting the eye that mocks at his father, despising to obey his mother. The ravens of the valley shall pick it out. The young eagles shall eat it. The converse of that warning is God's command and blessing of Exodus 20:12, to honor thy father and thy mother, that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God gives you. Adding the good to the balance the to balance the evil, verses 18 and 19 proclaim again, adding the three with a fourth blessing, emphasizing they are in fact so wonderful the writer cannot fathom them completely. The way of an eagle in the air, look how it soars, the way of a serpent on a rock. How does it move? The way of a ship in the sea, though it approaches, it appears far away, yet, in fact, may sail very near as it closes upon you. And the way of a man with a maid, how they are drawn to one another. Verse 20 confides in a danger, noting such is the way of an adulterous woman. She eats, wipes her mouth, says, I have done no wickedness. 
Verse 21 and 23. For three things the earth is disquieted, and for four which it cannot bear, for a servant when he reigns, and a fool when he is filled with meat, for an odious woman when she is married, and a handmaid that is heir to her mistress. Verses 21 through 23 alert to four persons that disquiet the earth, that is cause that is, cause anxiety and or worry, a servant who is in charge, a fool filled with meat, an odious woman, a woman who is extremely unpleasant, even repulsive when she is married, and a handmade heir uh, who is heir to her mistress. All three are placed in positions which they are either unable to bear or, in the case of the odious woman, empowered by marriage to pursue her personality flaws. Verse 24 through 28, there be four things which are little upon the earth, but they are exceeding wise. The ants are a people not strong, yet they prepare their meat in summer. The conies are but a feeble folk, yet make their houses in the rocks. The locusts have no king, yet they go forth, all of them by bands. The spider takes hold with her hands and is in king's palaces. Verses 24 through 28 highlight four seemingly insignificant things that nonetheless reveal possession of excelling wisdom. Ants are noted first in verse 25, weak in appearance, yet seasonally preparing their meat in summer. Verse 26 records a feeble folk, the conies, in this instance likened unto small guinea pig-like mammals akin to rabbits, wisely making their houses among the rocks. Locusts in verse 27 have no king, save in the book of Revelation, yet they go forth in bands altogether. The spider in verse 28 takes hold with her hands, even in king's palaces. In our present culture, the feminization of this insect would demand its own topic of conversation. Verses 29 through 31, there be three things that which go well, yea, four are comely in going. A lion, which is strongest among beasts, and turns not away for any. A greyhound, and he goat also, and a king against whom there's no rising up. Attention is brought to four things that go well in verses 29 through 31, things that are comely or attractive in their going. First lauded is the lion, which is declared the strongest among beasts, and turns away not for any. Then a greyhound, elegant of stature and gait. A he-goat carries his own majesty, and a king against whom there is no rising up. Verses 32 and 33. If thou hast done foolishly in lifting up thyself, or if thou hast thought evil, uh, lay thy hand upon thy mouth. Surely the churning of milk brings forth butter, the wringing of the nose brings forth blood, so the forcing of wrath brings forth strife. Finally, we close uh, chapter 30 with verses 32 and 33. These final remarks are coupled together to offer sage advice concerning the practice of leaving well enough alone and not belaboring even unfortunate actions or statements. Verse 32 admits the ease with which one can do, foolishly promoting oneself. Included as an additional faux pas is thinking evil thoughts, a practice we are all tempted with daily. 
Caution is immediately advised to the point of laying one's hand to mouth. Verse 33 explains, churning milk brings forth butter, wringing the nose brings forth blood. So forcing of wrath or pursuing strife brings its own. Once again, encouraging one, leave well enough alone and letting things go when able. The Lord willing, next week, the final chapter of Proverbs, chapter 31. For our parasha this evening, I would like to read Hebrews chapter 1 in honor of Paul's admonition to take the gospel to the Jew first, because Jesus declared and answered and said, I am not sent but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Quoting, God, who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down, on the right hand of the majesty on high, being made so much better than the angels, as he had by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. For under which of the angels said he at any time, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee, and again I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. And again, when he brings out in the first begotten into the world, he says, And let all the angels of God worship him. And of the angels, he says, who makes his angels spirits and his ministers a flame of fire? But under the sun, he says, thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of thy kingdom. Thou hast loved righteousness and hated iniquity. Therefore, God, even thy God, has anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows. And now, Lord, in the beginning has laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the works of thy hands. They shall perish, but thou remain. They shall all wax old, as does a garment, but as a vesture shalt thou fold them up, and they shall be changed. But thou art the same, and thy years shall not fail. But to which of the angels said he at any time, Sit on my right hand, until I make your enemies your footstool? Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for them who shall be heirs of salvation? Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 through 14. As we approach the final program of the Eye of the Storm, I want to thank everyone that has joined with me in this voyage. We shall be docking next week, the Lord willing, with Proverbs chapter 31 to end our sail there in Calm Harbor. As I've been alluding to, we are approaching the transition for the broadcasting of a new program in this time slot on Sunday evenings. Joe Williams, co-host of the Last Christian News and Radio Broad Podcast, will be joining me to assist in docking at port. He'll be announcing an exciting new member of KRRB. This transition will allow me to more easily and completely attend our thrice-weekly Last Christian News and radio show, including our new daily spot, The Last Christian Call, Joel's insertion of a two-part offering he has honored me to helm. 
focusing on the very word of God, each portion divided between two segments. And now as we approach the close, I'd like to uh, mention a couple of verses in, in mind as we as we say goodnight. Um, Jeremiah 33.3, it says, call on me and answer me and I will show you great and mighty things that you know not. How appropriate a verse here in Calm Harbor. And Isaiah 26.3, call upon the Lord. Um, he says, I'm sorry, I just got mixed up with the verses. But in Psalm Isaiah 26.3, it says, oh, I can't even think of it. Hang on just a second. Anyway, Isaiah 26.3, go ahead and look it up. I'll, I'm going to look it up when I get off of here. I'm, I'm filled with emotion uh, because we're coming to the end of this sale, this divine sale of discovering the depths of God's word. I've learned so much myself in going over Proverbs, though I've read it many, many times. Uh, each time you read it, because the word of God is alive, uh, is sharper than any two-edged sword, Hebrews 4.12 tells us, dividing, uh, uh, sharper than any two-edged two sword, piercing to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, of bone and marrow, to the very thoughts and intents of the heart. And there's Isaiah 26.3, Thou shalt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusts in thee. Another beautiful, Isaiah 26.3, another beautiful verse to keep us in calm harbor, regardless of what's going out out there on the high seas of the world with all of the turmoil that's going on. Keep your mind and your heart on Jesus. Don't worry about anything. He says, do not be afraid of anything. And he says, draw near to me. And again, um, I want to thank everybody. Uh, you can see I'm all filled with emotion. I, I um, uh, have enjoyed so much doing this study. I'm looking forward to focusing more on um, the last Christian show, uh, our news and broadcast that we have three times a week. I've been doing that plus this. <laughs> And it's just about overloaded me at times, as you can tell. Uh, so I'm looking forward to being able to relax and just focus on those three shows for the time being. Uh, and um, especially because Joel, like I said, uh, has uh, brought up a new, new element uh, that we put into each show, The Last Christian Call, where... In fact, uh, he wanted me to, to focus more strongly and, and clearly on the Word of God. And, and in fact, on our last show, I don't know how often that's going to happen in the future. I, I, I think it's going to. I'm looking forward to it. But he had to ask after I'd read my piece for the last Christian call on our last show. <laughs> he said, I want to go back and talk about that. Well, that's the idea, folks. The idea is to open yourself up to the Word of God, because as you do, as it feeds you, as it strengthens you, as it gives you that eternal perspective, uh, Isaiah 40, 31, they that wait upon the Lord 
shall mount up as on wings of eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. When we wait on the Lord, he gives us, he raises us up to see his perspective. Uh, one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years are as one day to God. He gives us that perspective. He helps us to mount up as on wings of eagles. And with that invigoration, with that strengthening, we are able then to run and not be weary. I should be a lot more weary than I am considering the life that the Lord has led me through, but he continues to invigorate me and give me strength as he will give you if you wait on him, if you call on him. Isaiah 46, 10, he tells us, even in the midst of everything that's going on, he says, when you're really worried, when you're really concerned, be still. Psalm 46, 10, be still and know that I am God. Fellowship with him. Draw near. He says, when you draw near to me, God says in his word, when you draw near to me, I will draw near to you. And so you can trust him in all things and you can call on him at any moment of any day and he will draw near to you as you draw near to him and that's part of what the eye of the storm has been all about going through seeing god's wisdom slowing down looking at his word soaking it up and beginning to realize you know what this world is passing away i can remember when i was a little boy five today i'm 76, ouch, <laughs> 71 years ago I was five, and yet I know that my Redeemer lives just like Job, and I know that one day he will stand on this earth again, and when he comes back in Revelation 19, all of us who believe in him will be coming with him. That's all in my book, Blast Off or Piamor, edition five. You can Google T.L. Farley Books, and you can get there from here. T.L. Farley Books, just Google it, or Bing it, or whatever search engine that you may use. And um, in the meantime, um, again, my love and prayers and uh, thanks, great thanks for joining with me. Let's get together one last time next week for Proverbs 31. It's going to be a beautiful time. And uh, until then, let me say, Maranatha, Jesus, come. And that's the wrap for this evening, folks. May we all join together in prayer that each of us has a good night. And the Lord willing, until we meet next time, or until Jesus shouts and we meet in the air or at supper. Here's bidding you all, each and every one, the very best Jesus has to offer you. From the eye of the storm, this is your host, Terry Farley, bidding you a good evening.